You're listening to the Legendarium Blue Team. Welcome. You have chosen wisely. Please go to patreon.com slash legendarium to support the show. Ken, you are like that. I'm really not. You're, you you're could as, be my hired killer. Ken. Yep, you got it. For you, I would do. Hired killer of the legendarium. I think yes. that. I think Ken. we now have a new. <laughs> we have a new moniker for Ken. I want shirts made up, and I want them now. Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the Blue Team, and we are reviewing another of the books in the Expanse series. We are reviewing Nemesis Games. Nemesis mm-hmm. Games is that the name of it? I, I I say that like I'm confused. Uh, it's not that I don't know the name of the book, but it's that I see it once and then I listen to it on my pod or on my phone, and so I never see the cover again. So it just it I comes only in know and goes it because I looked it up online today to actually do like a. <laughs> looking for questions or like something like that and i just i had to look up the name so i could look up the specific book it's, it's i don't it's even funny. i was expanse book five because that's the book i'm on <laughs> that's how we think about it as you can tell uh stephanie is here with us today todd and ken are also on board hey ken uh summertime good time for you it would be better if uh, baseball were happening yeah i'm saying that because i'm wearing a baseball jersey here in the <laughs> studio and ken's a little bit I'm not sure annoyed is the right word. But. You know, I'm not. I, I'm not annoyed by your baseball jersey. Heavens no. I'm I'm more annoyed by just how everything is. The fact is, that there's no baseball How going everything on. has transpired yeah. based on all of the pandemic stuff. Yeah. I it, it reached a certain point a few weeks ago where I was like, just cancel the whole darn season. I don't care anymore. I, and that, Which is sad. I'll just watch my 2016 Cubs World Series videos <laughs> and call it good. Yeah, and I'll watch, I'll watch the reruns of 1997 when the Twins won the World Series. And, 1991. And, it was 91 or 87. Take your pick. 87 was yeah. what I was thinking because I was in high school back then. Oh, I just gave away my name or my age again. And I have never watched a baseball game in my life. Oh. And we need to change that. We're we'll going go to back have in time never. and change that. I've We're going to have Legendarium Night game. at the. Uh, I have never watched. We'll, we'll have Legendarium Night bees? at the baseball. Bees? Are they bees now? We so will take you to whatever. the bees, except the, yeah. for all of the minor league baseball has been canceled. Yeah. And now that we've talked about baseball and made Ken happy because we talked about some sports things, let's dig into our <laughs> book, shall we? Ken, do we have a recap up to this point? By the way, for those of you that are that are joining us, uh, again, as we typically do, we have read about midway through. We're up to chapter 26 through, in Nemesis through Games. Through, ch- through chapter 26. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where we're at. So if you've are, if you've read beyond that, please don't get angry with us for any of our predictions that are going to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> but but just recognize that's where we're at. Ken, we've got a recap. We have a recap. That's right. Years of hard living is, have finally caught up with the Rosinante, leaving the ship in dry dock for the better part of a year, which is good because everyone conveniently has to go their own way to, way to deal with personal business. Amos, who apparently is the Rosinante's hired killer, according to the UN. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> heads to Earth, Alex to Mars, and Naomi to the belt, leaving Jim Holden, the most codependent man in the universe, all by himself on Tycho's <laughs> station with nothing to do. Let none of that overshadow the most important fact of this book. We finally get POV chapters from the rest of Team Rosie. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> and all it took was breaking up the band. So... <laughs> It puts everyone just in the right place for all of us to see all the primary action settings when all of the solar system's major power players are attacked simultaneously. OPA radicals with a grudge and a point have been using the large shadows cast by the wagon train to the stars to swipe Martian stealth tech and all the ships and toys necessary to attack Earth, Mars, and Tycho Station simultaneously, ruin the system's power structure, and swipe the last known remaining sample of the Mm protomolecule. Interesting. In the course, Amos and Alex and get in position to rescue a couple of old friends, which is overshadowing the doubly convenient uh, part because Naomi was just talking about something that we brought up about three books ago, namely that it would be prudent for the team Boy Scout to bring on more crew because the Rosie is woefully understaffed. But now Alex and Bobby are with the Martians, Amos and Clarissa Mao head to the moon, and Naomi tries to keep her old family from blowing up her new family. <laughs> All it's of that, always it's always confusing with family. Ah, family squabbles. All of that leads to where we are now, which is family on the run, folks. So uh, now that Alex and Amos have finished their recruiting tour on our way back, who's Naomi going to bring back to the Rosinante? <laughs> My money is on uh, what's his face that that uh, is 
following kid? her around. It keeps calling her Knuckles. I can't remember his name now. But... Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I, I will remember. I have later. to look. I'll have to look it we'll up. We'll look anyway, it up later. Somebody will look it up later. Way to way to ruin a recap with you know, not writing not down knowing. facts. Yeah. So, um, anyway, but that's that's my main question for that. But I just I really enjoyed the first half of this book. All right. I really enjoyed getting into. Amos and Alex's backstories, which I wish you guys had read the churn, but whatever. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll read it one of these days for, for entertainment. Yeah. So up Okay, to this so point recap in, done. Anyway, go. Up to this point in time, you enjoying the book? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. wow. Talk about a silence. Stephanie's like, uh, do I have to talk? So I feel bad because so many people have talked about that this is their favorite book. And I'm only halfway through. I have not read ahead. I only finished through chapter 26 today. And you finished through chapter 26 like 20 minutes ago, right? Oh, it was a few hours ago, but it was definitely today <laughs> that I finished it. Um, and I'm loving the, the point of views that we're getting because it is. It's great to finally get to really know these characters that we followed through the past four books. But at the same time, I'm struggling with the fact that I feel like nothing is really happening. Like it's so much of just so much backstory now that I'm like, okay, where's, where's the action that I'm used to minute, in these series? Are you saying nothing? You said nothing is happening. <laughs> They've blown up earth. That wasn't until like chapter 25. I, well, okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, granted, but granted. Still, yeah, that's true. That just happened. There's a lot of buildup getting to it though. <laughs> so this one was written very cinematically, by the way. Oh yeah. A lot of buildup, oh, yeah. a lot of, a lot of first act stuff, getting people in position for, the end scene before the first commercial break where yeah. we blow up the earth. Which I don't everything. mind. Like like I said, it's not that I'm not enjoying the book. I think I just, as a, only having read the first half, it's a hard book to be like, yes, I'm so excited about the first half of this book. I'm hoping that by the time I finish it and the next time we record, I will be like, I loved this book. It has, I'll see the points to everything that's happened up to what I've read so far because I'll get the payoff of, everything that they've done and I, I think it's fun getting I love Bobby so I'm glad Bobby's back um I'm kind of interested yeah, to too. find out like the dynamic between Amos and Clarissa is so funny now that they're oh my together goodness. oh my goodness like could you pair him up with someone better than her <laughs> I feel like it was set up after the, at the end of book three not set up as in hey this is coming you know but you really got a, a feel for their for their, not their camaraderie, help me out here, their chemistry. They, yeah, they have some chemistry. Uh, at the end of book three. Yeah. You know, even though they're taking her back to go to prison, those two really got along. And I get I, I, I get a kick out of the out of his nickname for her, <laughs> Peaches. <laughs> um, I, 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 because, because for me, I mean, you know, there, there are so many other nicknames that might be appropriate. You know, Little Killer, um, that, that, that one was one that sprang to mind. There's probably yeah. a few that, that we could work with that, that, are, that are more endearing, that are more descriptive. But, but he settles on peaches. I just, I don't know. I just, I, and, and of course, since I'm listening to it be read, I, I hear the guy say, well, what do you think, Peaches? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's fun listening to it. Which is it's funny. just delightful. I'm really enjoying it. It's, it's fun to see the characters in what we really, through four and a half books now, have come to see as their elements. I mean, Amos obviously is the slums and the rough and tumble and those people who live in the hidden places, yeah. as he keeps putting it. Alex in is... In the cracks. Yeah, Living in the in cracks. The cracks. And and Alex, you know, in in kind of the mostly civilized but not quite cosmopolitan fun, uh, uh, section of society, and it's fun to see him go back to that, and we get a feel for it. Yeah, basically, Mars feels like the kind of people who, you know, what we want to live comfortably and just be left alone. Yeah, and now their entire world is almost literally blown up. So, so like your neighborhood is what you're saying. Basically, <laughs> kind of like your neighborhood. They're the suburbs. Alex yeah. is the suburbs. So obviously, Ken, you're enjoying the book so far. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I. It, it was it was nice to. In fact, I had to do a double take when we got to chapter two, and it was Naomi's. I think. No, I don't remember who it is, and I'm not going to look it up because it doesn't matter. But my point is, we got to we got to the second POV from one of the crew, and I literally I had to stop and go back and go what. 
I did the same thing. I was like, wait a second. Did I just see what I saw? When I, I did. Yeah. When I was, when I was listening to it, it said Amos or whoever it was. And it starts to scratch. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Let, is there another Amos that I can think of? Are we introducing a new Amos? No, we're not. This is Amos. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to groove on this for a while. Well, and I think that's what makes this book stand out from the rest because the only way this works is because it's book five. Like, I think if you put this book earlier in the season, bef- that it might not have the same appeal as it has right now because we've gotten to know these characters through someone else's eyes and you we love these characters. And so now actually getting to see things through their eyes and what they experience it means so much more as a reader than it would have been like if this was book two or something like that, for me at least. So let me follow up with that on a, on a question. And because this is something that I've thought to myself a little bit as I've been reading this from a, from a reading mechanics and a writing mechanics standpoint, but it also kind of goes along with how we work as human beings. We've known these characters now in, in the world of The Expanse for several years. It's the better part of a decade. And we've been seeing all of the things that they do. And so we've we've seen them... From the moment that we see them, they are in peril and they need to rely on each other. And they're pretty much making the right choices, Mm -hmm. a la James Holden, Boy Scout of the Universe, and all of his moral compass, right? Mm -hmm. So now as we get some view into their backstory, do you think that we're more forgiving of all of the bad choices that all of these people have made because we didn't know them we didn't know about those bad choices before we knew about all of the good choices that they're making. Yeah, I think so. I th- I think that would be absolutely accurate because we've, we've come to enjoy these characters as they are. And so it's easy also when you, when you get to know somebody and like somebody in, in real life where you say, I know how you are now. I don't care how you were. Yeah. And, and that almost feels like where we're at with these three characters. In fact, we, Honestly, we don't know very much about Holden's backstory other than, <laughs> you know, he has seven mothers and fathers. He went into the Navy, was dishonorably discharged, and then ran from civilization. And that's about it. That's, that's really about all we know before Leviathan wakes. I'm interested to see more of, of his backstory, but, but I, I enjoy seeing where the rough edges came from with these other three. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily care because I see where they are now. And I'm I'm willing to forgive and forget, I guess. Okay. Well, and you notice that the their past has obviously shaped their lives to make the decisions that they've made in the books that we've read. And so it's nice getting to see what that past was to actually find out, okay, well, this makes sense. Like, looking forward to hopefully finding out, and maybe I need to read the other book that Ken keeps talking about. Sure. But, like, Amos, why Amos loves has such a connection with children. What is it about his past that gives him that connection? And you see these choices that they've made. And like the moment that I found out that Naomi had a child, I'm like, okay, I can understand a few things now. Like that she was making these decisions based on the fact that she left a family, that she ran away from this bad situation. And as a mother, I couldn't imagine knowing I have this terrible situation that I have to leave and I have to leave my child in it, knowing your child's going to be raised that way. And and so having her, as we've talked about, that she is one of the best of the best of her job and she's on this freight carrier ship out of like the middle of nowhere. How in the world? Well, now we know that she was running away from a terrible family situation yeah. and was basically hiding and trying to make up for the fact that she just did something terrible herself to her child. And I can understand how, how she ended up there. And that she had done terrible things before she left her yes. child. That, that she was forced, that Marco had forced her into to murdering people and that she knew that it was wrong and she had to leave. And so you understand, okay, yeah, now I know why she was where she was when the Canterbury blew up and everything mm-hmm. and how she's ended up with Holden. And I think it also gives her a, a deeper sense of forgiveness. Was it, um, who was it? Was it Clarissa that tried to kill her? And yes. that Naomi was the one that was like, it's fine. Let her go. Let her be. Cause I think she has, now that we have these understandings, it's, it's fantastic. And that's what I'm loving about this book, but I wouldn't appreciate it as much 
before now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I, uh, I, I think both of the, the insights that you guys have provided help us understand that, that as human beings, we do have a tendency to evaluate people where they are now. And then when we fill in the backstory, when we fill in those other pieces, it helps us understand them better, but it doesn't necessarily change how we feel about them. I, I am curious about what more, there feels like there's still another shoe to drop for James Holden. Always. Oh, absolutely. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, and they glossed over it and he, he made it very clear. He's not a nice guy. He's not necessarily a good guy. He ran from a chance to take care of his family, to take care of the the family situation. He ran by getting into the military. He ran from that situation. So there's, I, I, I keep feeling like there's something more we're going to discover here, but mm, probably not for a while. Maybe not Maybe not in this book, maybe not until the next one. But all of these characters, one of the beautiful things that I like about all of these characters is that they are magnificently flawed. Yeah. And that makes them very believable. And whether that's part of the anti-hero tradition that has grown up in, in Amer- especially in American literature and cinema since the 1950s, or if it's just an, an, an attempt by the authors to really give us truly representative characters that are really flawed and showing that that even those characters that are really flawed can be great people. Uh, I, I'm really appreciating that. I obviously I'm looking at it from a level three standpoint because I always <laughs> do. And and I look at I look at all of the choices that people make. And I try to and I try to look at the choices that I make and say to myself, had I been in different situations, could I have made them differently? Could I have made them better? Mm-hmm. And it seems to me that all of these characters, to a greater or lesser extent, before the beginning of this book, had pretty much made peace with the choices that they'd made. Mm-hmm. And now stuff happens <laughs> that causes them to have to revisit those. And what a, you know, like, I think they make a they make reference to opening wounds, uh, to pulling off scabs in mm-hmm. the in the writing. What a, what a, powerful analogy for what these characters are all going through and it's interesting to see how they reconcile that they've grown past the choices that got them to where they're at i i thought alex and his his ex-wife's uh interaction was was anticlimactic but also i think it was absolutely appropriate for for what was expected. I mean, obviously he, I don't know what he expected. Some great grand We're I'm going to show up <laughs> and we're going to talk and it's going to be great. And we're going to be the best of friends and all that. That's not what happens. No, that's not at all. What no. happens. You, you show up and that's it. You ran off and you expect, I mean, her reaction was completely natural and normal. And I think that it received about the appropriate amount of time in this book as it should have. <laughs> yep. I agree. The, the, the moment where he says, Hey, don't. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I-, I think I've seen this actually. I- I've seen people do this for oh, real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I've seen I'm I've seen it recently ish. Yeah. I mean, you know, one one of my friends who who was you know, left a, another of my friends for different reasons, not because the skies were calling and I must answer or anything <laughs> like that. But it's still the same way. The one who was, who decided to do the actions, you know, that caused the breakup is like, well, hey, we can still be cool, right? No. Yeah. No, we cannot still be cool. You need to go. Yeah. Yeah. You, you may have, you may have fixed this, yeah. but you didn't fix all of my stuff. I fixed mm-hmm. all of my stuff. Get out. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 and having seen that and also seeing him say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of appropriate. I screwed things up. <laughs> all right, good. Well, see ya. And walking away. <laughs> well, maybe that's just something that Alex needed that, that closure of knowing that, okay, it's, it's done. It's over with. I can she's, move on. she's okay, obviously. She's not okay. happy, and she's, I don't think she needs to be. No. But she's happy. She's good. And I think maybe that's just all Alex needed. Yeah. Was yeah. to know, okay, she she's good. Now I can be good. And because, I mean, we all know that Alex is that type that has to get past that. This is my responsibility and my personal problem. This is my fault. And we know after his conversation with... um. 
what's his name? Basha? Yes. That he knows how to take responsibility for his own decisions. And I think this was just his way of saying, okay, now I can finally move past this decision because I know that she is good. It's closing a chapter. Yeah. Move on. Let's be done with it. And, and I can it, move on now. And honestly, there was only one reason he was there and that's to, to reconcile or reconnoiter, reconnoiter with Bobby. Yeah. Now I want to, I, I want to stay with him for just a moment. We'll come but I want to, I want to do the same kind of examination with the other two characters in just a minute, but I want to stay with Alex for just a second. We get a, we get a view of all of these characters of where they were and of how every, how they may have moved on, but in certain aspects of their lives, no one has moved on about them. And we see a little bit of that with Alex when he's talking to one of his old Navy buddies. And when he goes in and has that dinner that, or the tea at the little, at the little uh, cafe diner and everybody's like, no, you know, it's on the house. We're, we're paying for you, <laughs> sir. You know, and he's, and Alex is obviously a little bit befuddled by all of this because he's like, uh, yeah, I just mustered out, ran away from a marriage that wasn't working for me and got on board a ship and got shot at a lot. And now you're all making me sound like I'm some hero. This is not, this is not who I am. I'm just, I'm just a fly guy. And, but, but everybody sees him in the context that they knew him before a military pilot who is doing military kinds of things yep. and still connected. And I, I find that I, it made me kind of wonder, gee, is that really what we do with each other as people, we we see each other and we don't allow each other to grow. And the more I think about that, I think, yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is. When I see, I live in the same town that I grew up in. And it is bizarre sometimes when I see friends who still live there. And we've seen the growth that has occurred in the two of us because of what choices we made and where we've gone and all those kinds of things. But then we see somebody that comes in from out of town for a couple of days and they expect us to be the same people that we were 25 years ago. Right. And we're like, uh, yeah, no, we've That's moved. We've moved well beyond some of that. And I, but I found that very interesting that the authors decided, and maybe they, maybe they didn't decide to do this. Maybe that wasn't a conscious thing. Maybe it was just a very convenient way of approaching the plot. But it felt very much like a, a comment about the way that we see. Did you guys feel that? Or was that just me overanalyzing things because I had a little time on my hands? You probably overanalyzed it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we know everybody on the podcast is surprised to hear that I might be overanalyzing things. But in your defense, it was a good analysis. Yes, it was. It was a very good analysis. I think part of it is also, and I don't know, I'm not a celebrity. I have well, moments. I think you're a pretty big deal. So yeah. I have to you're admit, a pretty big deal. I can't remember. It was when we went, we went to um, Brandon Sanderson's book signing yes. and I had someone that I have never met one of our listeners and I apologize because now I don't remember who you are but that knew me and I had obviously never met them and that was new to me for that first time that I've had people that recognize me but don't know me that was an interesting night and I'm like I don't know how to handle this this is kind of strange it is interesting to get um, recognized outside of but it's one of those yeah. things like we still interact with people. I mean, we we all live on this world and we all have chances to meet people. But you have this crew that has been on a ship for years with just the four of them doing crazy things that the entire universe <laughs> now knows about, but have very little interaction with with others. I mean, because you don't really get the feeling like they have a lot of friends that they're yeah, they're messaging not, back and they're, forth. They're not, right. they're not texting like, back and forth. Yeah, yeah, so you get that feeling. Like, it's the four of them and their family, and they don't have a lot of communication with people outside that might see their celebrity status. Yeah. So that was interesting is Alex is sitting down talking to the, and he's like, I'm no one, yeah. but you're not. Yeah, like, for the last five years, you've been in a bubble. You're a big deal. Yeah. Just because you're not around to see it. You're not trying to walk down the street to go grocery shopping and people are recognizing you like celebrities would do now here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, so I think that for me is what I got out of it was just, he's living in a bubble and just hasn't realized the impact that he has on the universe. Yeah. Which I think a lot of us that are just normal people don't realize, like I, I still get shocked every time people are like, I love what Stephanie said about this, or I love what Stephanie <laughs> thinks about this. I can't wait to hear what Stephanie says. I'm like, you, why? It, I. It's just me. It's just I'm just talking. I don't know why. 
what I have to say is so important or interesting because I just don't see it that way because to me, I'm just a normal person. Yeah, but but the rest of us know you're kind of a big deal. You <laughs> well, you the, can keep saying that. <laughs> one, of, one, of the, one of the moments in that, that that was kind of fun for me was Alex sitting there and saying, wait a minute, Jim's normally the one that gets all of this kind of attention. Is this what he feels like? <laughs> Is this what it's like to be Jim Holden? You know, that moment where yeah. he says, oh, people looking at me. But normally I'm normally I'm sitting in the background watching all of this stuff happen. Now it's happening to me. What a, what an interesting opportunity to, to have some fun with that character. Oh, yeah. So I want to I, I want to we're going to save Naomi for last. Actually, we'll probably talk a little bit about Jim, but I want to save Naomi for, for I want to talk about Amos for a second. It's funny, by the way, you said to save Jim, but really. He was the least interesting part of this first half of the book. <laughs> he you, uh, and and I, I want to come back to that. Because, well, yeah, we'll come back to it. I, I just wanted I, to there, point there's that. There's some out. stuff. There's some stuff with that that I think is really important. Uh, and you're right. He is the least interesting, but probably the most. I, I think the most critical for setting up a lot of stuff that's going on. Well, he is the galaxy's most honest man. <laughs> Boy Scout of the Universe, James Holden. I want that on a bumper sticker, right? You know, I'm not to heck with all the rest of the campaigning. James Holden, Boy Scout of the Universe. Holden. If somebody can make one of those and send it to the Legendarium, let us know. I will put that on my car. Holden Amos uh, 2020. So, so yes, Holden Amos 2020. I would vote for that. I would vote for that. They're both American. You have a hired killer for your for your vice president. Sounds to me like the military is going to do. <laughs> no. Anyway, I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm sorry. sorry. Let's talk about. I'm Amos. sorry. That was totally inappropriate. Let's talk about Amos. The there's there's a line in all of the stuff, and it wasn't even Amos's line. It was delivered about Amos. It was the guy that Eric. has taken over. Eric, yeah, where he says, "Has he killed anybody yet?" <laughs> no. Well, then he's keeping everything polite. Then all right, yes. everything's. I, I laughed out. I was walking. I was listening to it when I was walking in the mall. And I laughed out loud. And of course, right now with malls almost empty, here I am walking along and laughing out loud. And somebody looked at me like, are you ill? And I was like, no, I'm listening to The Expanse. It's the it's fifth book. It's about eight. And they looked at me and then like, never mind, never mind. Uh, that, the, the, the thought that we've had as we go through this, that Amos is, Amos is this big, you know, we, I, I look at him as this great big grizzly bear. That as long as he's happy, he's cuddly and he's warm and he's furry and he will rip your face off. And it sounds like that's how he's been his whole life. I bookmarked three parts in this first few, like the first 20 some odd chapters we've read, and they are all about Amos. <laughs> I don't think actually any of them are actually anything he says, but it is all about Amos. And I love it because he is, he's such... He's such a fun character and he's so deep. Like so often you get the big burly guy that they almost play as dumb in some of these shows because I they're just the muscle. Yeah. So they can't be smart. And that is not Amos. Amos is pretty brilliant. He's he is. He's fantastic and he's smart and he knows what he's doing. Cause like in that mind where um it's that conversation that he's having with um Avalsarla where mm -hmm. she's like, Well, you're his hired killer, and he's like, I'm the mechanic. But I like the fact but that you think I'm the hired killer. But, that's that's kind of cool. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so I, yeah. I, he's just, I think he's such a deep character. And I love that about the, him that he's just not, he's just not the muscle. He's just not the bodyguard that he's someone that is more interesting than that. The thing I love about him is that he has no brain mouth filter. It's like <laughs> what he says, what he says is what he is thinking. Yeah. And what he is thinking, he will tell you. There is not none of this sugarcoating. Well, I think are you sure you want No, he'll tell you. Yeah. What? There's a moment in there's a moment when he's talking when he's when he's going through and he's looking at everybody. He's looking at people from his past. And he says all of these people are what they, they these these people are what they do and what they know and it hasn't changed. But I've changed. I know how to keep a fusion reactor running. I know how to keep a spaceship flying. I know things that none of these people know. I'm not trapped by my past. And I know I'm not saying that correctly. I know I didn't I didn't quote it. I didn't I didn't bookmark it and bring it in and I should have. But but that stuck with me that he has not taken an excuse. He hasn't taken his past and made it an excuse for not making a different future, for not growing in his future. Now, yeah. obviously, 
it's 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 pretty cool that he's or it's pretty clear that he's somewhat of a sociopath and he knows it and that's why he relies on other people and and apparently always has relied on other people to help him develop a value system and to be his Jiminy Cricket so to, he can be a real boy. We, we, we joked about that a little we bit have. in some of the early books, but yep. it's very clear that, no, that is how he lives his life. And it always has been. And to think that he has gone from being a thief on the streets, perhaps a prostitute, certainly a protector of prostitutes. I, I, I have the feeling when he's talking about the woman that was hurt, that that was the relationship that he was probably the muscle to protect her mm -hmm. in that kind of a situation. And when he comes back and he makes, he, you know, he's, he's looking at all these things, he realizes just what a fish out of water he really has become and that he's not from here and he's from here, but he doesn't belong here anymore. And I was really, I, I, I don't know. It was, it, it was almost, it almost brought me to tears uh, which is not necessarily all that hard to do. <laughs> yeah. We all know that, right? But but it really it, it really was very moving to me the way that that was portrayed. No, he, he has escaped all of this other stuff and had a really different trajectory in his life because he learned things, because he developed some skills and he got connected with some people that had a different way of looking at life and a different way of handling problems. What a what a profound statement. Uh, again, I know I'm looking level three. I, I always do. That's a really, whether whether or not the authors were intending to do that, that's a really profound piece of insight that we can get from pop popular literature. But at the same time, he realized if he wanted to, and more importantly, everybody else realized <laughs> if he wanted to, he could come back in and take control. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. When he hits the one guy in the throat and he just, you know, stops him breathing. All right, so here's how this is going to work. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's fun to watch all of the interactions ahead of that on the shuttle and everything, too. It's, I will exert exactly as much muscle as I need to, no more, and that's how it's going to go. Yeah. And then you will do what oh, yeah, I say I because... A, I forgot about the kerfuffle on board the oh, shuttle. So that was awesome. <laughs> that was fantastic. He, he just he has the coolest action in all of these books. Yeah. I just, I just love it. He's I, I'm maybe I'm a little bit hero worship you jealous. I wish I could be like that. I don't know. Ken, you are like that. I'm really not. You're, you you're could as, be my hired killer. Ken. Yep. You got it. You're I, I for think, you. I would do it. hired I, killer of the legendarium. I think that I think Ken. we now have a new, <laughs> we have a new moniker for Ken. I want shirts made up and I want them now. Ken, you're the hired killer. Um, I think we can arrange that. I think we could arrange that. You'll, you'll have to explain it to Jolene, but I think we've got, yeah. I think we can arrange that. No one needs to know. What are the other ones you had marked? That I marked on the, yeah. bring them back up. Since we're still talking about I know one of them is from Naomi when she is. When Holden was asking her why they never hooked up. No. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Well, this you're... is towards the end of the, well, it was in like chapter 21 after. I don't think she'd quite been kidnapped. Like, I don't think she'd quite been abducted yet. But anyway, um, she's sitting there. She's trying to figure out how to get through, like, get out of the situation she's in. And she says, if Amos has become my personal touchstone of wisdom, I'm F. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Also, I will admit, like, all of my bookmarks have swear words in them. <laughs> Because there's a lot of swearing in this book. Well, there there well, is. Yeah. And there, you know, I, I remember I was talking to somebody about that and they asked me, they said, does, does this bother you? And I'm like, absolutely not. Because, not because I don't, not because I am have that kind of a mouth, but I worked on a receiving dock with a lot of truckers. And as I, as I was watching uh, the first season of Expanse on Sci-Fi Channel, uh, on Amazon Prime, I think, from from when the sci-fi channel was producing it as I, as I was listening to this i realized that's what these guys are they're long-haul truckers mm -hmm. and in that kind of an environment quite frankly it's not a big in fact uh, it was interesting my wife has asked me about that and she works with a trucking company now and she says yeah they all talk like blah 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 and i'm like yeah i totally understand that because that's that's how it works it's just not that big a deal and i guess for me it fits it's a it's an it's an example of how carefully they've constructed this world because that really fits the words the the swearing it, it's also interesting there are certain words that they use a lot and then every now and again they'll say 
he creatively swore. And I'm like, <laughs> how much more creative do you need to get than some of this stuff that we're listening to? I want to hear some of that creative cursing. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, the, 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 but the idea that, that there's some, that this is real. These are, these are representations of people that having been in that kind of environment for a long period of time, I, I totally get it. I totally see these people. I, I, I can see them in some of the people that I used to work with. And maybe that says too much about my history, but it's, <laughs> it, it certainly is. It certainly is true. I want to bring up something about Amos really quick that I, I just kind of thought of and remember thinking about before, but it just came back to top of mind when we were talking about how the backstories affected our views of the characters. That really is kind of the embodiment of Amos. He is, he is, is the, textbook example of how you can look at a person and judge that person based on how that person is yeah. not the perceptions of them, not even necessarily what they did, but, but what they are about. And, and as evidence, look at how he, he just, he takes Clarissa and he makes a friend of her checks in on her conveniently enough for the furthering of the plot. And <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, but it's a book and they wrote it that way. I know. And, it, and they had to, I mean, it had to go this way so that we can resolve it, you know, with them coming onto the ship and being part of the crew. Makes me in a the, in little the end of the nervous. Book. Well, we'll get to predictions a little bit later. But anyway, I, I just, I thought that was interesting. Amos, he sees a person and he knows, he, he knows their character and he judges them by their character. Are you a good person? Are you a bad person? Yeah. You might have, you know, read in your past, but you don't now. Yeah. You know, you've Which, got, everybody's got stuff to get past. I really love, because we've seen Amos interact with people that are just bad. Like we have Murtry that he oh obviously butt heads with because Murtry is just a bad person. Clarissa has killed a lot of people. Yeah. She, for all intents and purposes, is a bad person. She's yeah. in prison. She is 10 stories underground with in a tubes hole. hooked up to her, yeah. Like, and Amos still sees who she actually yeah. is. Yeah. And I loved that they became friends because it's not just Amos is just like, Oh, well I can relate to her because she's a killer too. It's not like that for him. There's it's just deeper. And I loved the relationship and I love that they brought her back with him. Cause if anyone else had visited Clarissa and be like, that's weird. Yeah. But Amos with her makes so much sense because I think by the end of the book that we had with Clarissa and everything that she did, you saw the change in her her realizing that I made bad decisions and I can move forward and take responsibility yeah. for what I did. Well, and, and Amos sees the messed up situation that, the, that spawned the, some of those mm -hmm. choices. Yeah. And, in, and, uh, and now we're getting a, a view of the fact that he relates to those extremely well, because when you're raised in situations that re, that require you to do the kind of mental gymnastics that have to be done in, in both of those situations for totally different reasons, you come up with a skewed set of values and a skewed sense of right and wrong and his ability to, to be forgiving of that and to see beyond it and say, okay, yeah, we can deal with this. But remember it was because Naomi said, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. If Naomi had said, I'm gonna hold this against you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. Mark that. Mark that. Oh, sorry. Um, I forget. Long I forget. haul truckers, man. I, you know what? I gotta, I gotta be careful. I gotta be here careful hanging around people. I know. Uh, had she said, I'm going to hold it against you. I'm willing to bet that Amos would have said, oh, okay, well then we're going to hold it against her. Yeah. He would have never visited her in the first he, place. Yeah, so he I... probably would have. Yep. Now uh, go ahead. I was going to one last, this, this is my last call. Read the churn. <laughs> okay. I and will. you will understand all that. Also, you will understand why he says things like, is your name Amos Burton? It is today. I, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. You'll understand that. I have I have said on occasion when people say da 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 da, you know, are you Todd Wenty? As far as you know, <laughs> and I realized after I've said that a few times to people that don't know me, that's probably not a really good <laughs> thing to do. I say it to my friends, and they kind of chuckle, right? Kind of like Stephanie is right now. But I, I've said that I've said that in a couple of places that I'm like, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> There's another part of Amos that's really fascinating, and. We get a we get a glimpse of Amos. One of the things that I really liked about these chapters with Amos is we see him in Baltimore with all of the criminal element and how they treat him as one of them. He's a criminal. Yeah. And 
we're going to act as we're, we're, we're going to be ready to fight against him. I loved his, I loved the chapter where we got to where he and Eric were talking and Amos is going through all of the, you know, figuring out what all the angles are, what's the best thing to do. Oh, the best thing is probably to do this. Amos is not a dumb guy by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination, but then we get him in the prison and he has to remind people, Hey, I'm a civilian. I don't belong here. <laughs> now they don't see him as belonging there. Certainly. But, as a big guy and probably is somewhat threatening to most of the rest of them, not to the crazy guy. Well, and all of the, I mean, he had a real nice grasp of the workings of a prison. So they were all like, did you serve? No, <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Not as far as you know, the, but the, the thing that was interesting is that when, when they get impacted by the third asteroid or the third, the third impact mm-hmm. and the whole prison is destroyed he goes into save people mode. And I, I really, I really was impressed by that. All of the things that he has learned, all of the things that he has gone through on, on aerostation, the things that they've gone through, uh, through Illus and all of the, all of the experiences that he's had with Naomi and Alex and Jim prepared him perfectly for this moment where he could look at the guards and speak the guards language, look at the prisoners and say, look, you know, this isn't the way that we do things. Let's, let's take this being creative about how to figure out how to use the guns to get themselves where they need to be, use the resources. I was really very impressed with the way that that section was written, but also with how easily Amos fits into the role of hero Mm -hmm. and of savior. What a powerful thing for someone who a few chapters before they were saying, has he killed anyone yet? <laughs> what a, I, I really liked it. I, it was, it was very personally satisfying for me. I don't know if you guys felt the same, but there you go. La- last thing about the Amos chapters before we move on to Naomi. Did you like that he landed in Lovell city on the moon? Oh yes. That, yes. That, that, that was me, a, that that was a quick little smile. moment of, oh. Stephanie's not going to understand. No. Look at her Jim, face. Jim, Jim Lovell. The, the captain we'll of you, Apollo 13. We'll fill you in later. We'll he was an actual later. astronaut. We, <laughs> gentlemen, what are your intentions? I, we'll fill you in later. So anyway, it, Stephanie's, Stephanie's <laughs> having flashbacks of that, of that episode where we were just geek boying over the, I know. over the news, over the new launch. Oh, so anyway, yeah. let's talk about, let's talk about anyway, Naomi, shall we? Thing, so. Tell us about Naomi. What did you think of Naomi, Stephanie? I love Naomi. <laughs> I found, not that I'm a killer by any means but i found her really relatable in these chapters like getting to know her backstory um the idea that she's a mother wasn't surprising to me it kind of caught me a little off guard but it wasn't surprising that that's kind of where she ended up in her life but i just think it's like the fact that she got drawn into this political mess in her youth when I'm sure the OPA was new, I mean, they're still trying to figure out how do we break apart from the inner planets and everything. When the OPA is really starting to kind of form between actually being a legitimate political structure for the belt or just being a terrorist organization, she kind of got pulled into that whole terrorist organization side of things. But she's just understanding so much more of her backstory and where she came with her relationship with Marco, her relationship with the other people as she's interacting with these, with her son, as she's trying to develop some sort of relationship. Every once in a while, she throws in these one-liners, hoping to get her son to think about, this is why I left. This is where you're at. This is a dangerous situation. Like when she comments to him, like, you can come with me. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm hoping. I would love to see. I don't think it's going to happen, honestly, as a prediction. But I would love to see her son brought with her and actually getting to watch her relationship with Jim, her relationship with her son, build and develop in later stories since Jim doesn't know that she has a son. She's never really given any inclination that pillow talk or whatever that she's told him that. Um it it really does feel like he's set up to walk that line that his dad is has drawn for him and and that's it he's a kid's a 
fanatic. He's a terrorist. But I'm not saying, I'm not trying to dash your hopes, Stephanie. I'm not. <laughs> I don't feel yes, like he's Yes, but I'm with you. There. He's absolutely like, trying to But I'm with you. I think her son is just on that pinnacle of falling over the edge. Yeah. Like, uh, like you can tell that he is definitely wanting to please his father. But one, one decision, one moment, and he could go the other way. Yeah. And that, that little bit of hope that I have, like I said, it's a small amount, and I really don't see it happening and playing out that way, but... I don't think he's quite the fanatic like the people he's around. Yeah. I just think it's the people that he's around. It's the way he was raised. So he doesn't really know quite yet, but he hasn't made that final, even though his father has forced him into killing where he was like, that's me as they're interviewing someone about, I don't even remember what happened. And Naomi realizes she's like, oh, your father's now made you a pawn. Oh, right. Yeah. You're now... I remember that moment when he did that with me, when he forced me to become a killer. I didn't want to, but this was the position I was in, and she's seeing this in her son. Yeah. Uh, certainly the the chapters with Naomi are much more melancholy mm-hmm. and much less entertaining, much less lighthearted than uh, it's hard to it's hard to believe that we call some of the stuff that that is going on with Amos lighthearted. <laughs> but but it's it's a much more melancholy feel. What were your reactions to the, uh, to the, to the idea that Naomi abandoned her child? You've kind of talked about this a little bit, Stephanie. I mean, it's it's so hard to judge someone. Like I get that this is a book and it's fiction. It's hard for me to wrap around my head what kind of position I would have to be in to do that. Yeah. Because so many times we've re- read in society and newspapers, like people are in domestic abuse situations and so many, specifically women, not that it doesn't happen the other way around, but they stay there because of their children. Yeah. They yeah. are constantly putting their life at risk to save their children. And not really quite grasping and understanding what made her decide I can I am going to leave my child in this situation so I can survive whether in her mind she's thinking I'm going to come back for him he's going to be safer here than if I ran away from him cuz who knows maybe Marco would have been that vindictive I'm going to come after you because you have my child but right. he might be safer if she leaves him they haven't really delved into the the exact why she left. I mean, yeah. they touched on it a little bit, but it's I can't I I cannot wrap around my head what would need to happen in my life to leave my child like that. Well, and it's clear that she left him based on what she felt at the time was the best mm-hmm. the best intention, the best idea. This will keep you safest. It wasn't her running away. It wasn't her saying the boy is on his own and I'm going to get out of here because you, you know what I mean? And Marco, he's the, the worst kind of manipulative fanatic. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's charismatic. And she even says it in person. He's, his voice is much more resonant than it is on TV. And he's yeah. so, you, you can see why she would be drawn into him because he's charming and he's, he, he draws all of his followers in and he uses his son to manipulate the loyalties of his followers, that sort of thing. It's, I don't want to say it's textbook because that kind of diminishes the way that, that Frank and Abraham have written him, but, but he, he almost is a kind of a stereotypical terrorist leader. Well, it's, yeah, your cult leaders. That's what you expect from yeah, them. If yeah. they're not charming, no one's going to follow them because everyone can see, Oh, you're fake and you're crazy. But when you're charming, everyone goes, oh, well, maybe if if someone this refined is going to be thinking that way, maybe I need to start thinking about what they're saying. But but darn, he makes me feel good about myself. Yeah. 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 And that's how they develop a following. So, I mean, it kind of has to be textbook. Well, he's got he's got one more thing, though, is he has he has a point that is valid when he talks about how they have built this solar system on the back of belters and they've just giving us scraps and now they're taking off and leaving us and just leaving us. They're not taking us with, they're not helping us build infrastructure that we can go see these thousands of worlds. 
they're Mars and the Earth are taking off and they're leaving us behind well, again. And they're they're shutting down like complete systems. It's not even that they're just leaving them on their own. They're to, shutting down. They're shutting fend- down the support systems yeah, that they, exist yeah. for them. They're literally going to be dying on these these space stations and everything because they have nothing. I mean, they can't even travel to I don't know trade or yeah. yeah. There's a the, there's an interesting dynamic that has happened with the with the, pol- with the politics in the in this fictional world of the future that didn't exist when the OPA was first founded. When the OPA was first founded, it was founded around the idea of trying to get independence, of trying to mm-hmm. get equality. And now that they are no longer necessary, mm-hmm. there that abandonment starts to kick in. So now it becomes a war to serve to keep what they need. It's a it's a and and I have to be honest, I don't know from a from a political standpoint, if I were to read the tea leaves and look at some corollaries, I'm not sure where I f- where I would fall on all of this and how I would feel about it. But it certainly rings familiar. And the idea that that there are well-intentioned people that will be on both sides of this conflict, to me makes this more real and more poignant and more believable. But it also, when when you when you take that on a on a large level, yeah, all those pieces in play, and then but then when you boil it down to individual people, when you boil it down to a Naomi, who is faced with, do I commit further acts of atrocity? In the name of trying to stay close to now, keep in mind one of the things that they indicated was that Marco was moving her son from family to family to family to family, mm-hmm. keeping her away from him. As a way of that manipulation, if you'll do what I ask, I'll give you time with your son. If you'll do what I ask, I'll give you time. Or at least that's a, as 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 I was listening to it, that was the feeling that I was getting was that yeah. Marco was being was was being that level of manipulative. Yeah, he was being and, he was being used to indicate which followers he has favor with. Yes, and if, if I trust you with my son, that means you are in my inner circle you are in my good graces at that moment it and could change that's a, a and that's a powerful powerful set of manipulators the idea stephanie i think you hit it right on the head the idea that it would be so bad that someone would have to have that that level of strength to pull themselves out must must have been and i have the feeling that we're going to find that out in the second half of the book mm-hmm. if there's a prediction that i make she's going to have a moment where she's going to try and explain to philip let me tell you what it was really like so that you get a view of what your father has really done. Well, and I think she's planted seeds along the way with Philip in her small conversations she's been allowed to have with him that you can see every once in a while Philip pauses when she says something and then he goes back to, oh, well, that's not what my dad says. But there's always that pause of, is she right? Is that is that really it? Is there is there more to this story than I have been taught growing up? Yeah. And yeah. so I'm there hoping I'm hoping that there's at least some closure, no matter what happens with her son, that Naomi gets a, some closure with her son and the choices that she made. Because I am in no way judging Naomi for leaving. No. I don't want to make it sound like oh, no, no, that because I, I don't get it, but I don't judge her either because who knows what kind of decision that would need to be for someone and I think the fact that she has left and has done more with her life and the level of forgiveness that she has, I think is just fantastic. I think she's such a deep and well-written character yeah. that as a woman, I I love reading these kind of female characters yeah, because she's so strong. And so often you either get the damsel in distress mm-hmm which she is not, or you get this powerhouse, hungry, female, almost masculine type character. Yeah, the ambitious Which I don't feel like she is either. She's a real woman that is strong and capable and has flaws and And it's beautiful. And And that's, she's the type of character that you want girls growing up reading about. Yes. If I could get the language a little bit cleaner, I would be like, <laughs> you, my 10-year-old niece, you read this because this is the type of woman you should be looking up to. Yeah. It just has a lot of swearing in it. And yeah. I don't think my niece, my my sister-in-laws would appreciate me sharing 
that kind of language with their children. I don't no, have any yet. daughters, so I have to share this stuff with my nieces. Day, the, the day will come. It's worth sharing with your son. Maybe too. when she's sixteen. <laughs> Maybe when she's may, <laughs> Maybe when they're sixteen. That, then it's okay. Give it they're... as a give it as an anonymous <laughs> gift. Oh, you got that? Wow, look at that. <laughs> one of the one of the pieces of Naomi's journey that that I particularly liked was her effort to do everything she could for her son and keep herself at an arm's length. And as she goes through, we, we get this view of her as she arrives on series, I think it is, right? Mm-hmm. And she picks up wings and, you know, figures out who all the people are. And she's you know, obviously, not only has she obviously been with the OPA before, but having spent time with Jim Holden, yeah, she's figured some things out along the way. Again, we have a, an individual who's very tactically aware and watching her go through all of these steps she knows how to she knows how to move the money around. She knows how to buy a ship and she does all of these things. And then she says, it's yours, go. And they take her anyway. Yeah. Were you guys surprised by that or were you no, pretty well not at all. pretty well figuring this was gonna happen? Yeah, no, it's that gonna was... be their biggest mistake ever. <laughs> no, They're was... going to regret the day that they actually kidnapped her because now they have put her in a position to foil all of their plans. Yeah. Yep. Uh, if they had just let her go, they would have gone on, probably ruled the world for the rest of eternity or whatever. Or at least caused enough damage before they got wiped out. Because like, now they're gonna piss Jim Holden off. <laughs> Well, if the captain's girlfriend is involved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which then in turn pisses Amos off and no one in the universe should be doing that. Well, James Holden's hired killer is now pissed off about this whole thing. And yeah. as as we get to the point where all of this is just falling apart, Bobby and Alex are in the middle of two armed uh, groups that are taking firing solutions at each other and they're just kind of floating there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Not not to mention pointing out that Naomi is pretty creative and good at foiling a plan from the inside on her own, as we saw in the last Oh, yeah. Book. Like, it's their biggest mistake on so many levels. If they had just let her be and let her walk away, they would have been fine and everything's going to work out. But because they kidnapped her and they put her in the middle of everything, she's going to figure out things. You know that Jim and everyone else, like, they have to save her yeah. somehow. Well, they I have think. to feel like they're going to save her. So they're so all going to be she's there. She's going to be pissed off because they came in guns blazing. And she's like, I had this handled people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I have a feeling that the the emotional gut punches will come fast and furiously for Naomi in the second half of the book. I don't I haven't read past chapter 26, but it it just feels like emotionally it does not end well for Naomi. It it, it looks like it's going to be kind of fun and painful for Amos and Alex and Jim will do whatever Jim does over here. But I, I feel like Naomi emotionally at least is not going to get out of this one. Her story's a lot more intact. personal than yeah. ever, where everyone else is at. So. Well, at least as far as, as far as we can tell right now. And the fact that it's so personal for her is going to make it personal for mm-hmm. the rest. I, I'm sure I, I, I know we're getting close to time on this one, We got time, but I want to, I want to make sure we talk about Jim a little bit. Jim Holden is the, Bless his heart. I love the way that you describe him as the galaxy's most, <laughs> the codependent, most codependent man. man in the galaxy. He is he he is a boy scout. You know, he is the teller of all truths, but he is he needs something to do. Yeah. And when he does not have anything to do, he finds trouble. Well, or I mean, trouble needs, finds him and he can't turn it down. Yeah. One and he two. needs people to rely on. I mean, he grew up with seven parents. Yeah. And he's lived only on ships with other people that he's had to rely on. The guy doesn't know how to live alone. No, no, he really doesn't. And bless his heart, that's probably not necessarily a bad thing. But maybe maybe the choice of who he relies on could be evaluated a little differently. Maybe. The, the idea that all of these... Now, I, again, I recognize it's a book, but and, and that it was written this way. But the interesting thing is that all of these characters, as much as they try to go their separate ways, get pulled back into a single plot, <laughs> the disappearance of ships. This idea that somehow ships are disappearing, equipment is disappearing, and it's all congregating on this one little spot in space. Space is awfully big, people. (laughs) The books have given us a a comprehension of it as far as trying to talk about how much time 
Yeah. Yeah. And now it's even bigger. And yet people just can't seem to leave each other alone. And space is really big, but all of this stuff happening in this tiny little asteroid where they're all going to (laughs) go close to Mars. What? Come on. (laughs) How is it possible? Now, you know, if you were a human being and you're, you're living life, you're going, wow, how is that possible? If you're reading a book, you go, oh, they wrote it that way. But but the the writing of it makes sense. Yeah. Oh yeah. That that there are that these things as they happen happen in a way that that makes sense that you can buy it that you can buy into it and accept that it's still going on. I I think that the that our our two authors of this series have done a really good job and have grown as authors as we've watched this process run to not make it quite so predictable but just predictable enough that we can say, oh, that's how they're going to tie this together. <laughs> and, and I, I enjoyed that. The, the, the work that we, the work that, uh, James, that James Holden does with Fred on Tycho station uh-huh. of trying to find Monica. Oh yeah. Is, is it, is it just me or did it feel like they were saying, you know, we haven't done a police story for a little while because we haven't had Miller around here. <laughs> That's exactly. Can we do another, can we, can we do some more investigative stuff? In fact, doesn't he at one point say doors and corners? Yes, he does. He does. And he also comments about, he's like, is this what Miller did with his time? Yep. Like, <laughs> this sucks. All I'm doing is paperwork and research. And is this what it's like? like yeah. Why? Which, why would anyone and, want to be a detective? And guess what? Police work, that is exactly what it's yeah, like. Yeah, it's like, yeah. this is boring. I, I would have been just fine with Monica showing up, pointing Holden in the right, right direction and letting him go and her just not being relevant the rest of the book again. But at least they make it fun. I mean, because they throw in those things like, like police work is boring and yeah. <laughs> doors and corners and, and, you know, and references to Miller, they, they throw those in to make it fun. But at the same time, it's mostly, he really is the least relevant point of view or storyline in this first half up to this first half. Yeah. yeah. Up through this first half. Yeah. He's, he's there they, aside from the fact that he has to be there for them to steal the proto molecule. So that's so there's a why thing does that he happened. have to be there? Well, so that there's a point of view. So oh, I was like, they could have he, done that without he, him. Yeah, there. they could have stolen it, but to, for it to be on the page, he has to be there because he's a point of view character. Yes, I, I I understand why he had to be there now. Like, Isn't it interesting that in book one we get Dresden saying, "Yes, but the proto molecule can make it so that we can be it, we we can we can explore this the the universe and never have to worry about vacuum suits or any of these other kinds of things. It's going to be awesome." And then he gets killed. <laughs> and then we have Mao that says the proto molecule can make it so that we can explore space and it will be awesome. And then he gets pulled out of the entire story. Then we have this little side story, you know, with some stuff going on. But then we come back and the OPA is like, yes, but we get the proto molecule and it allows us to explore space without any vac suits. It's going to be awesome. Have they not read the other two books in the <laughs> series? Have you not followed your own history? <laughs> they don't They don't even want it for that. The, the OPA, the, the radicals only want it for one reason, and that's to hold it over the heads of the other factions. I think knowing that it could be the the massive weapon that like Mal thought it could be because it it's, certainly could be. I mean, we've all seen what happens with the proto molecule when it gets 20, out and you turn into the brown goo people. It's like, the 22nd century variation of terrorists with nukes. That's all they want. They want the fear out there. Bioterrorism, that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I could. They want to instill fear that. in the in the establishment. To, it, it for their be, end. It, it will certainly be interesting to see how that piece of it plays out because. Now that the proto molecule is out from Tycho Station, something tells me that even if we tie all of this up in a nice little bow, <laughs> that we're still not done. And between oh, so if we're if we're making predictions, are we at the point where we can make some predictions? Yeah. Yeah. So if we're making predictions, one of the predictions that I have is that Miller comes back. I don't think we're done with Miller. Ugh. I think something happens and we we get another opportunity to have Miller show up at the end of the book. I think it's going to be toward the end of the book, and he's going to look at he's going to look at Holden and say, "Yeah, you thought you got rid of me? Here I am again." You're talking about like the proto molecule version Miller. of Miller. Yep. I would be perfectly fine with them taking this proto molecule out, ending ending up with it in the sun or something, and now all of the proto molecule is gone in the universe. I don't think that's going to happen. 
<laughs> I'm afraid yeah, we that we're going to end up more yeah, seeing more of it in the next four books, but I would love it if this was their way of cleansing the world of protomolecule, and now we can get on to more interesting stories. Or well, maybe Because we still have all those whatever it is that destroyed the protomolecule yeah. people in the first place. I mean, yes. there's still a bigger bad person out there. Yes. Yep. Just knowing that there are four more books, you're like, okay, is it that easy to wipe this out right now and look at the bigger the bigger picture? Yeah. Or yeah. is this going to play into the bigger picture? I have one more I have one more prediction, but I want to okay. hear any others that you guys have first. Uh, I have two, but you go ahead, Stephanie. I don't think I think I've kind of shared all of mine. Okay. Of my hopes. They're not really predictions, they're just hopes. I don't <laughs> have any real predictions. <laughs> the one the one I shared in the uh in the recap, I think it's Sin, that's his name, C-Y-N, Sin, is the person who helps Naomi escape and ends up becoming okay. part of the crew. That's my hope. I don't, he might help her escape. He might, I don't know, but that's, I want him to help her escape and become part of the crew. And my second one, did you notice that the UN Secretary General was killed? Yes. Leaving the way for Avasarla. UN Secretary General Christian Avasarla. Yep. Yeah, I, I... I would be I would be intrigued by that because it robs her of the opportunity of doing what she likes to do, which is operate in the background yep. and not be on everybody's radar. I think that she might actually clean up her language for a change. <laughs> I doubt it. So those are my two predictions. My my last prediction is that Philip is going to be put in a situation by getting to know Naomi a little bit more that he has to kill Marco. And that when he does, he's going to do it in a way that he becomes a martyr himself. And they are used by the OPA as a rallying cry. I can see it. Martyrs are that's, powerful tools. That's I, I just, concur. That's just mine. In fact, it might even be that Marco forces the process. Because being he a sees that's is, the way that happens. Because being a martyr is a powerful piece. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited to get into the second half of this book. If it goes as quickly as the first half does, I'll be thrilled. If we hear Amos called a hired killer at least one more time, <laughs> I'll be thrilled. It's more that he's excited about it. It's not that someone calls him because I don't think any of us are surprised he's the hired killer. He's just so excited about Come it. Come on, you got to admit that would be cool. I'm the mechanic. Wait, I'm the hired killer? <laughs> it's going to be an entertaining deal. All right. Well, hopefully you guys have enjoyed the first half of Nemesis Games. Hopefully we will all enjoy the second half of Nemesis Games, and we'll see you soon. Welcome to the Legendarium. We oh, wait, are. Wait, 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 wait. We're not ready to go. We're not ready to go. Oh, we need to turn the. Are we going to keep that? And let's keep that in the. Let's let's remove that in post. <laughs> All right. Um, here, Craig. This just needs to be removed. So take take two. He's going to use this. You know he is. <laughs> All right. Take two. Go. Welcome to the Legendarium. We are the blue team.